0: Today we have back with us Carl Hess. He is the pastor of Emmaus Lutheran Church in Redmond, Oregon. Welcome back, Carl. Good to be here. Thanks. So you gave a presentation at the Bugenhagen Conference. It was one of the sectionals on training martyrs for the prize. We all know that COVID kind of caught us all flat-footed. It, uh, it was kind of a great revealer of what was already kind of there under the surface uh, and how uh, when Christians received pushback from the government, just in terms of doing what Christians do, assemble together around the gifts of God, uh, to sing God's praises, to receive God's presence in his body and blood in the sacrament of the altar, that when we receive pushback because of uh, of this particular uh, virus, uh, many of us just kind of didn't know what to do. Uh, we had uh, some inclination, but we just kind of let things keep pushing us into corners. And uh, it seems as though the Bible has a lot to say about what we should expect in terms of comfort versus adversity. And then also what God. Calls us to be and to do when faced with that adversity. Uh, I'm thinking of our Lord's own words when he says, you know, the way to destruction is wide and easy, and the way to life is difficult, and the door is narrow. And all kinds of other statements that if they do it to the teacher, they're going to do it to the student. Uh, that we're not above the teacher, but we'll be like him. And many, many other times in the scriptures where we're called upon to, oh, well, bravery, um, daring, uh, zeal. So let's talk about training martyrs for the prize, that uh, not only are we as pastors there to bring the good news of salvation, the forgiveness of our sins, but also we're there to train them to endure in the midst of adversity. So take us through that. Where do we begin? What should we focus on first?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I, I think that was the, it was a, it was a wake up call. It should have been a wake up call for the church. Um, it was for me, it was, it was the you know, the difficult thing for a lot of folks was um, a question of how you how you respond to the government when it when it is calling for your closure. If it, if it had been something obvious like we just don't want you to preach these things anymore, and so you're banned, I I think it would have been a lot more clear mm-hmm. for people what we should have done. But um, it, but that's assuming that that's the way these things are going to go in the church. And uh, it, and that's very, it's, I think, something that we need to get on our radar that that's not necessarily always the way it's going to be. But what it also greatly concerned me, what, what greatly concerned me in the months and um, in the months that we had to think about this after it happened was that, you know, I, I guess um, having been through some years as a pastor and having to confront things that I was that I was scared of, I know for myself that when you are afraid or when you are when you're anxious about about how something's going to be received or what's going to happen to you, your, your brain starts to do this thing where it it finds ways to justify whatever it is you're doing. Well, God really wants me to do this, and this is the pastoral thing. And right. so um, that that's always been like a that's always been a a concern on my mind was you have um, you have in Scripture many times where people are called upon to do the thing that every rational person would tell you that's just not what you should do. That's not really what God wants you to do. God would never ask that of you. And I think this was a time like that for us in the church. Um,
0: you mean kind of like t- how after nine eleven, you know, we celebrated firefighters and rightly so, and police, uh, you know, emergency responders. You know, they're the ones running towards the burning building while everyone else right. is running away. That kind right. of thing.
1: It, yeah. It, so, for instance, in scripture. Um, in, in the presentation I talked about, the, the least scary one that came to mind was in the book of Daniel. Daniel and his friends are, are in Babylon and they're told we are going to train you to be whatever, to be government officials in Babylon and we're going to take you in the king's house and you got to eat his food. And they realize this is contrary to scripture now that the, this is contrary to God's law for us. And the natural thing, I think for a lot of pastors and lay people in, in our synod would be to find a way to, you know, it's just what we got to do. You know, Mm -hmm. this is what, what are we going to do? I mean, it's, it's unreasonable to expect us not to do this, but Daniel makes up his mind. It says in the text, not to do it. Mm -hmm. This is, we're just not going to do it. And so, um, and then he, once he's decided, he, he comes up with a, he, he comes up with a plan and he, and he deals with it gently or, he, you know, he deals with it politically. He's not, he's not a fool about it. He doesn't say, here I stand or whatever. He asks for, you know, he asks kindly and whatever. But, uh, at the end of the day, he, deci- he's going to stand, you know, if, mm-hmm. if it doesn't work, he's going to take the consequences. And so that is, uh, That was the, I think that was the, that's a position that I've been in. I feel like many times as a pastor and other times before I became a pastor, where it's, you have to confess and, and take the consequences. And so my question for the presentation was, how do you train your, how do you yourself learn? How do you prepare yourself, of course, not to, not to give way and, and, and deny the faith in a situation like this. But how do you train your people or at least try to prepare them um, for a situation like this? And I think this is not without precedent in the history of the church. Um, Dr. Adam Kuntz gave a talk, I can't remember where, but I watched it on the internet where he was talking about, at least as a sideline, how did the early church train people to prepare for martyrdom,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and there is a very short um, letter written by Tertullian to some captives, some captives uh, who were about to who were facing martyrdom, called to the martyrs, Ed Martyrus, and he sort of encourages them. He he's he he writes in there to encourage them to stand fast. So it's not without uh, precedent in the history of the church that we. We try to prepare people for suffering and and martyrdom, and I think that given the time we're in, and given the what what happened, what transpired during COVID, we have need to start thinking about that and how we would do that in uh, in our synod today, and in a, just in the Christian Church in America today. I don't know. Did I answer your question? Or
0: yeah, no. Uh, okay. So how does? So where do we go to see? that training in the scriptures? What are the, what are the places to, to, to start, uh, for pastors to keep in the back of their mind as they're preaching and teaching so that they can exhort their, their people to this kind of training?
1: Well, I, so, um, there, there's one text in particular that that stuck out in my mind, um, And that that sort of was the frame for everything in the the presentation that I did. Um, But I think before you get there, you want to begin with examples of people being put in this position, either by God or by persecutors in the scripture. And so I mentioned the one from Daniel where Daniel's faced with a choice, but even sort of adjacent to that. You just have repeated things, repeated examples in the scripture, also not where uh, persecution is placed on a person, but where God calls someone essentially to give up their life, or mm-hmm. it appears that they're being called to give up their life. And that that's kind of like, I think you want to begin by teaching, by meditating on and teaching your congregation about that. The um, one example would be the call of Abraham. And then, the call to leave his family and then also the call to sacrifice his son, Isaac. Um, he's called to do something that he could have easily found ways out from it. If he were living in 2023 and he told his dad that he had a dream and, and, or he had a, he had a vision and he was supposed to go to a land where he was going to be in physical danger and he had to leave his clan. They'd say, son, perhaps we need to, um, find you a prescription or something like that, but he, but he goes. And also you have, um, you have the call to the disciples, the call mm-hmm. to leave everything and follow Christ. Yeah. And then also the rich young man. So these are all examples uh, of rather than being called upon by the government to do something that um, compromises the faith, they're being called by God to give up everything. And I think that's maybe the place where we need to begin is that when we are called to confess and perhaps to suffer, we're being called by God uh, to, on one level, to pick up the cross and follow our Lord, and on another level, to take hold of the crown that, um, that God promises to those who love him. So that's where I begin. And then the second, uh, the, the main thing that I used in the, uh, in the presentation was Philippians chapter three. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to read the whole thing, but I, I had written down seven through 21, but the key verse in, in that passage is one, that, and this is one that people, you know, like to memorize and and have on that like on a bumper sticker or something, but it's a, it's a comforting passage that's fairly well-known. But Paul says in verses 12 through 14, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Uh, And that... The interesting or the the thing that was that sort of piqued my interest there is that Paul is talking about. Um, he's talking about the word he uses for prize, of course, is like a it's a it's a laurel wreath, it's a perishable crown that they want they had when they won a race. But when it says he presses toward the goal, the word in in Greek it indicates like a, a mark that a runner has his eyes fixed on and he's just, that's all he has in his eyes. And he's pressing towards that goal as the only one who's going to, who's going to win the race. So he has his mind and his eyes, his whole being fixed on attaining that goal. Mm -hmm. And that's the biblical, that's the biblical uh, language uh, repeatedly in the scriptures. That's the, that's the language for the Christian life, is that although we have been justified and and we've been promised eternal life, yet we are straining ahead to take hold of it. And when one has got that mindset or when we're thinking that way, we're no longer focused on, oh, this is going to be difficult. What's the government going to do if I don't close the church? Am I going to be guilty of killing my members Or, or whatever, all these other things that we because that's what happens when you get into uh when you get into fear, you start oh if, th- if I do this, then this is going to happen and it, it actually is probably not not right for me to do this because then uh this bad thing is going to happen over here my my mm-hmm. people are going to stop giving to the church, but you when you're you you come up with a million reasons why you can't or shouldn't do it, but yeah. Paul's talking about having his eyes fixed on the prize or on the on the mark of the end of the race and our and the the mark for us is death with Christ and resurrection with Christ.
0: So do you think the fear here is kind of like a a fear of some kind of perceived pain and lack and what St Paul is then urging us to do is to carry out that pain as you strive for towards something good. Like we all understand how uh, a, a particular kind of pain can actually be received by us as, as good because we see that it's producing something. Is that, is that kind of the mindset when St. Paul says, uh, let those of us who are mature think in this manner and, and hold true um, to, to what has been attained? Or do you think he's got something else in mind too?
1: That's I'm, I mean that's that's definitely a good point. But in 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 the I didn't read the verses preceding uh, twelve, but he he talks about this. He talks about um, he says that he counts whatever gain I had, I counted all for this for loss for the sake of Christ. And then he says. Indeed, I count everything as lost for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having i ra- I'm reading the whole thing. I apologize. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. And this is the part that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings becoming like him in his death that by any means possible i may attain the resurrection of the dead so i guess this does fit in with what, what you were saying yeah he doesn't look at the suffering of being a christian that, as as a as a thing to be avoided or suffered through so much as part of the part of the Surpassing worth of knowing Christ. So he begins by saying, I'm justified. I don't have a righteousness of my own. Um, Or he's really saying, I don't want to be found with the righteousness uh, of my own. But that part of, but that righteousness is going to appear at the end of the race. And so it's a necessary part of the prize that he is going to know the power of Christ's resurrection and share in his sufferings. And if we were to see it this way, that the, that the sufferings, uh, uh, that go with being a Christian are part of the, are part of the prize, part of the, the joy, then you, you no longer see it as something, okay, I need to, I want to avoid that part, but mm-hmm. rather it's something you're running towards because what naturally naturally follows after what has to follow after it is, Uh, Becoming like him in his death, and then attaining the resurrection of the dead. So Paul's Mm -hmm. not looking at suffering as something to run from, but rather something that is part of the. And I think that's that's something to embrace, something to delight in. If you're, if you're a runner, I mean, I never really was, but if if you (laughs) if you're an athlete and you're in the and you're a let's say you're a wrestler, right? So you're, I did do that for a brief period of time you know, wrestling in the middle of losing or in the heart, you know, when you're on your back on the mat, there's nothing fun about that at all. Mm -hmm. It's, you can't breathe and you're straining, but that's not like for a, for a guy like, what is it? Paul Preuss, who like won, (laughs) who who was a, uh, who was a champion. Yeah. You don't cry about that. That's part of the, that's part of the win. That's part of the, it's not fun at the time, but that's part of the, the the pleasure and the joy of of uh, winning the crown is that struggle. So, mm-hmm. so that's still. the way Paul talks about suffering in the Christian life. Not that he I ran into unnecessary martyrdom, but that when it's when it comes, we have to I, by the grace of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we have to change our thinking that this is actually going to be where. Um, we are conformed to Christ's image and we and we are this is the this is the uh the track that you run down and when the prize is eternal life the track that you run down is being conformed to be sharing in Christ's sufferings and being conformed to his death so that when it's happening rather than going man why is this happening you rejoice because you are going the way that you're supposed to be going
0: yeah do not be surprised, brothers, by the sufferings that you endure yeah and but i I mean that
1: was so in in the pastoral office, i mean I don't know how you maybe never <clears throat> I would venture to guess that most pastors have had fear in the pastoral office, especially mm. if they hadn't if they have not developed uh the mind that this is, you know, like I've listened to, I listened to your talk about, I I think your, uh, your talk at Bugenhagen a few years ago about sloth really was kind of leading up to these things and probably Mm -hmm. tweaked my mind about it. So I've heard you talk about some of these things. And if someone has developed, has learned from, from the being taught by God, basically that um, difficult things in the ministry are not to be avoided. They may have a different mind, but when you're new in the ministry and, and you get confronted with something where, whether it's just something simple like um, practicing closed communion in a congregation that isn't want to hear it, um, you know, you, when you have fear you're about these things, you're, you're running from them or you're, you're terrified or Dissatisfied at the at the prospect. Why is God making me do this? Why does he? Why did he give me this congregation where I have so many troubles that I don't know how to deal with? Mm-hmm. When in reality, the way Paul is speaking is, this is what we've been. This is what we've been called to, and this is not actually. Um, this is not actually. Um, this is gl- this is not. This is meant for your glory. Yeah. Just like when Abraham uh, offered up his son he was, the angel comes down and and praises him because he, now I know that you fear God because you did not spare your only son. And so that's basically the point. We can, we ought to, just like James says, consider it all joy, my brothers, when you face trials of various kinds.
0: So this really goes along with, you know, what St. Paul talks about in a lot of places when he compares the, christian life the life in christ to some kind of contest sporting contest or or combat um i mean we all kind of get a a sense of you know go get them when you when you see those commercials for the army or the marines Mm -hmm. or the navy seals like oh yeah i want to be a part of that i want to do great things While they're showing them, you know, bloodied and sweaty and dirty, you know, running through muck and such, St. Paul kind of does a similar thing, doesn't he?
1: Yeah. Uh, He's, (laughs) Paul is, uh, it's, we do a disservice to the young men in the church when we don't teach them this way because I don't, most young men um, have it in them that they want to, yeah, they want to fight a battle or they want to win a race. And this is repeatedly the way Paul speaks about his calling as an apostle and the way that he speaks about just the Christian life in general. And I, if we've got a, a shortage of men in the ministry, uh, the the solution and the, and the problem might lie somewhere along these lines. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I'm not qualified to speak about that, but I, I, really, but I I wonder if I didn't come out of I mean, I learned these things and I read the scripture, obviously, when I was training for the ministry, but this was not the way that I thought about. Even though, in a way, this is what the seminary experience was like. It felt like I'd never been in the in boot camp, but it felt very much like we were training for something and building camaraderie for combat or for, for a fight, you know? And yeah, but at the the same time, we
0: we had a lot of discussion. I I mean, I recall, and I don't think this, I don't want to lay this at the feet of the seminary completely. Um, Yeah. But uh, we had a lot of discussion of avoiding conflict. Like don't do this Uh, within the first year. Don't do that. Don't do this. Please don't say this. We don't want to get calls. Uh, instead yeah. of um, you're going to do a stuff. Time, yeah, <laughs> you're going to you're going to do stuff, and it's going to make people mad. And we have your back.
1: I wouldn't say all our professors spoke that way. There no, is no. obviously the but the Keith, like Marquardt didn't talk that way for sure. Yeah, but uh, but um, there is something. Obviously if we're gonna use this metaphor, you gotta be careful that you're, you know, shooting the gun the correct direction, you know, <laughs> not <agree>. at <laughs> not at your parishioners. I mean the, the when you have to do something difficult and you're okay, I'm ready to go. Now I've now I see this as uh this is the place where um the Lord is calling me to fight, you have to be careful that you know I hope nobody's listening to this thinking every idea that you get into your head about the battle that needs to be fought, you should immediately go do this. But um, obviously it matters that you're fighting the correct enemy in the correct way. Correct. But, um, but yeah, uh, he uses uh, the point being, he uses this metaphor or speaks this way about the ministry and about the Christian life um, all the time. Mm-hmm. And so there are, I, I think that the, the question is, can you get people in your, congregation to take it literally and at face value rather than spiritualizing it away. Cause that's mm-hmm. what we often do. Shall we spirit? I mean, I knew that we were going to suffer in the ministry when I came out of seminary. Um, but somehow these things that I'm saying now didn't click in my mind until many years after coming out. So, yeah. But um, yeah. So getting, getting back to that point, I, there was a there was a quote from Tertullian in that uh, thing that I mentioned earlier. Ad Martyrus. he says Grant. Now he he's writing to the to these to the martyrs that are sitting in prison. So they're in prison, which is horrible. It's in the, they're in a dungeon, which they don't get to eat unless somebody brings them food, and it's bad. But they're waiting to die. So he's writing them a letter to encourage them, even though he's never been a martyr. But he says, "Grant now, O blessed, that even to Christians the prison is unpleasant. Yet we were called to the warfare of the living God in our very response to the sacramental words." So uh, he is saying, you know, we when we were baptized, we were called to warfare. Do we do we think that Mm. is that really the way that most of us, most Christians? in the Missouri Synod think about their their life in the as a baptized as a baptized Christian. I I don't I don't think we do. Yeah. We probably should recover that.
0: Yeah. So the um so the first thing is it sounds like is just making it plain that um our calling, whether it's in the ministry or just as Christians, our calling is to enter a spiritual battle and a mm-hmm. spiritual contest. And just because it's spiritual does not mean that it's not physical. It, right. it happens in time among real people. And so the first task is to recognize and teach and learn that you've been called to this kind of contest and battle. And that requires, like every contest and every battle, training. Right. Yeah, constant training.
1: And it requires physical training or it requires the spiritual training of God's word and the sacraments, but it requires just like any kind of training. uh, So much of training in athletics is repetition, Mm -hmm. training your muscle memory. We do this already in catechesis. We, We train people to recite, right? Yeah. So, you teach your children to say, to in, to invoke the triune name, say the Apostles' Creed, and pray the Lord's Prayer and Luther's morning prayer when they get out of bed in the morning. And we sometimes underestimate the value of mere of out of outwardly training ourselves because when you are in stress, um, the things that you have by heart are the things that. Sustain you, and during uh during COVID we all were in our whatever, uh your your limbic system or your you know your reptile brain or whatever yeah and you're the in amygdala. fight or flight yeah I, I, so th- we so one of the ways probably that you and I and Dr. Kuntz uh, referenced this in whatever talk I listened to he said that the reason why If you read martyrdom accounts, Christians when they're in front of torturers or whoever will say frequently, "I am a Christian," and that's all they'll say. And he said that's because they were trained by the church. You don't give them any information. You just say, kind of like you know, uh, if you get approached by law enforcement or or whatever, if you they say, you just don't you don't say anything. You just say, "I want a lawyer." That's it right and so he he said they had trained the early church to say i am a christian so they're not giving away any information about they're not informing on other christians by accident
0: yeah all right so okay the the first part is kind of the mindset the training you know because we're in this contest or battle oh how do we go about then looking at that training and what needs to be done to look towards the actual reward, right? Cause so it's not just that we're in a battle, but that we're fighting for something that we're willing to die for something because we have a reason to live.
1: So I have uh, not actually got, I haven't, I only basically have the work that I did was to, to sort of lay out the biblical way of thinking of this and not uh, how do you, how do you actually implement this in your congregation or how do you, how do you do this? But um, yeah, so the first thing really, really is that you are you you instill in yourself and in and in others that we are. If you if you are a soldier and you and you have the and you have that, you know that you're going into battle. You've already accepted that this is the way it's going to be. That's number one. But as you said, the second thing is that. Um, so when you are I don't know, having never been in a war, but I would imagine that if I'm sitting in a trench in France or whatever in World War I, of course, this turned out to be maybe not, this maybe isn't a great example since they didn't ever actually win glory. They just got killed. But mm-hmm. uh, but if you're, you're, you're getting ready to go over the trench to take the enemy position and you're terrified, right? Fear has taken hold of you. Mm-hmm. How do you. How do you deal with that? How do you force yourself to go over anyway? Well, I don't know what other mental strategies there may be, but in the scripture, one that is held out in front of people all the time is the promise of reward. I mean, there's also the fear of God's wrath, but there's the promise of reward. Now, in a certain way, in in modern Lutheranism, we become allergic to speaking that way, but this is the way the scriptures speak repeatedly um in fact there is a hymn uh well we know the hymn it's come follow me the savior spake yeah and there there's a hymn that uh so it's translated by matthew carver and there's verses that didn't make it into our hymnal but he says but there's these are there's a stanza that says um but if if too hot you find the fray i at your st- side stand ready i fight myself i lead the way at all times firm and steady a coward he who will not heed when the chief captain takes the lead and that has both of those in there it's you know you're a coward if you don't go but there's also the 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 reward in it is that uh, you your captain is going to go over the trench with you yeah so if if you lived in David's time and David is getting ready to go fight a battle, are you going to be the guy that says no, I'm not going I'm gonna hang back no because you love your king, you're gonna go run out, you're going to try to be the first one out and our King our Lord Jesus Christ goes with us and this this in addition to the promise of reward that scriptures point out again and again, uh, do you want to be do you want to be if uh, Jesus says come follow me, because you believe that he's justified you and you love him, you want to go into battle with him. If he's going, you're gonna you're gonna hide in the trench. No, you want to be there with them. I mean, whatever we always talk about Peter's um, failings, but he and the other disciples, I guess it wasn't him and John, but they said, "Let us go that we also may die with him. Let us go with him that that we may die with him whatever their unbelief they loved him and they wanted to be they wanted if he was going to go die they wanted to go die with him and that's yeah. as christians truly although we are weak and get into fear that's what we want to do also
0: so it sounds like it's almost kind of like a training also in a in a godly ambition
1: yeah i definitely i definitely think so um with, I, one of the verses One of the verses that I had cited for this—I mean, there are a whole lot of—you just find this talk about reward all the time. Right. Uh, But um, one of the one of the verses that I had cited was from for this part of the presentation was from Deuteronomy, and it said, uh, "I think it's Deuteronomy one." Yes. Deuteronomy 1, verse 26, God is talking to, or maybe it's Moses is talking to uh, Israel. And he says, yet you would not go up, but rebelled against the command of the Lord, your God. And you murmured in the tents and said, because the Lord hated us, he has brought us up out of the land of Egypt to give us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. And then skipping ahead, he says, then I said to you, do not be in dread or afraid of them. The Lord, your God who goes before you will himself fight for you just as he did in the in Egypt before your eyes and in the wilderness where you have seen how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son all the way that you went until you came to this place it doesn't speak about the reward again but it's implicit in there that they're going to inherit the cities of the of the uh, of the Canaanites so there's and the Lord is going to fight for you so you, you have the the joy of going into battle and being brave and the, and you're going to be fighting alongside the Lord and in, and at the end of it. So you're getting, if you're scared to go in, you have the promise of God that you're going to inherit the land for us as Christians. The promise for us is that there is a reward for those who are um, faithful. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the thing too. If we say, uh, Justification by faith. Abraham was justified because he believed, and he his his faith was proven by what he did. I don't want to sound I don't want to sound like a Baptist or whatever, but uh, the the just justific- because you believe that you're justified, you go fight the battle and take the crown. And so I don't want to. Ma- so obviously we have compassion on people's weakness and on our own when we're scared and we fail, but this is a joyful thing that we are, that we are called to go take, to take what's promised us. I mean, that's the way the scriptures speak. Yeah.
0: But part and parcel of, uh, you know, of doing that is expecting the difficulty along the way that it's not easy. It might be simple, but it's not easy.
1: Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I wonder if this is a factor in, you know, if you don't ever um, go talk to the girl that you like, right, and then she <laughs> and then she goes and she marries somebody else, um, and then you say, well, I guess, you know, it's the Lord's will that I carry the cross. It sort of seems like, isn't it often the case that – yeah, it is difficult it is difficult to keep your church open during COVID. But you know a lot of t- uh, it, it's difficult to preach things that you know are going to be pushed back on in your congregation. Mm-hmm. But sometimes do we use the theology of the cross sort of as a cover for the fact that we didn't t- you know we didn't we buried our talent or our mina in the dirt? and uh and we didn't dare to risk investing it somewhere we didn't we didn't go we didn't push against the wall you know we pushed met a little resistance and we said well that must not be god's will um we didn't know what was going to happen if we kept our church open during covid really until we did it right. you know you don't you don't know what's going to you get what i'm saying i mean it it, it seems as though if you flee at the first sign of difficulty or you you give way at the first sign of difficulty you don't actually know you don't give the if the lord is going to fight with you you don't know what he's going to do until you actually go into the battle with him it may be that he's called for you to inherit the crown really fast but mm-hmm. uh it may also be that he um he wants it may also be that he he's that he wants to uh begin the reformation or something, you know. Luther didn't know what was going to happen when he nailed the 90. Well, he he appeared not to really know how big of a, of a hornet's nest he was going to kick up, and he didn't know what was going to happen when he stood before the emperor and refused to recant. He may have thought, Well, this is it for me, I'm done. Mm-hmm. He didn't he didn't know, and I. I I think I, I don't know. I, I'm not I'm not able to diagnose everyone else. I would say for myself, there's a whole lot of that in my life where I did I just didn't see I didn't end up seeing what the Lord would do because I didn't I didn't I didn't trust Him enough to to enter into the into the conflict.
0: Well, I wonder too. Like um, we know that athletes, and you've already mentioned this. Two, athletes are constantly training, mm-hmm. so it's 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 a daily thing that they're training for difficulty. Yeah, um, they're expecting that one day the race is gonna happen, and so they're training for that. And yeah. The same thing with those who are in some kind of military or or combat arena. Uh, they don't wait to train until. The day of, that's right. They're they're constantly um, training themselves, uh, either either by deprivation of this comfort or or that comfort, or by placing themselves into a place of discomfort so that they can experience what that feels like, and and what it feels like to overcome it. So it's like a constant training. In what sense do the do the scriptures ask us to to well? I mean, Peter always be ready mm-hmm. to give the hope that is within you the reason for the hope, which means this is a practiced thing. Um, it's something that you're not unfamiliar with that you are engaging in it all the time, even in right. small, uh, smaller doses or less high intense doses so that you have some idea of really kind of what your own physiological response to those d- things are.
1: Yeah. Um, that's – that that you almost – I don't know if you read it, but you – I mean, that's exactly the way that – there was a striking passage in, in Tertullian. It's about five pages long, so it was – it's not very long. Everybody should read it. And he says, uh, soldiers – in peacetime are constantly doing manual labor they are practicing uh all kinds of deprivation and they're practicing changing from sitting you know from wearing peacetime clothes to putting on the mail uh from being in the heat to being in the cool you know they're they're constantly uh training themselves for adversity so that when the day comes that they actually have to go out into battle. They're not worried about man. I'm getting bit by mosquitoes, et cetera, et cetera, because they've already hardened themselves to it. Mm-hmm. And a Christian and a pastor, I think that's if you're the first part of it is to change the is the mentality. Our mindset has to change that we are supposed to have comfort. Uh, we're supposed to have difficulty, particularly in the ministry. It's supposed to, like when you when you are. <sighs> you know when you're when you're coming home from a council meeting and you're 5 years in the ministry or 2 years in the ministry and, you're, and you and you have to go unload on someone you don't know how to take it or whatever well this is um, this is what this is the this is the Christian life it's not to say that it's uninterrupted misery because there's joy in the midst of it but mm-hmm. there can never be joy as long as you're fighting against it if you're a soldier and you don't ever want to deal with any hardship you're going to be miserable the whole time and you're not going to be able to do your job effectively. So if you're a pastor, I, I mean, this was one of the, this this was kind of the thrust of well, my, this was my thought is basically if you're going to train your, your folks for the hardships that may come if there's literal, if, if there's more persecution on the church, mm-hmm. you yourself have to model it we ourselves have to model it and one of the ways we can practice is you have hard things that you have to do or say in the ministry you go do them you know mm-hmm. you you run towards them rather than run away that's the and that you know you have someone in the congregation who doesn't like you and is staying away from the church you don't wait like some of us have done months or years to go deal with it you go deal with it now and you uh, in that way, yeah, I mean, that's not uh, – f- physical training is not enough. Obviously, the battle is fought by faith, and and uh, we are strengthened in faith through the means of grace. But the scriptures are continually – I mean, you brought up Peter. I don't remember where it is, but he says, Since Christ therefore suffered in the, si- in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same mind. Something along yeah. those lines. Mm-hmm because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. That's um, if you go do a survey of the new Testament, speaking this way about preparing your minds for action, that's Peter again, and preparing yourself for hardship or just acknowledging that this is going to be what it is. You'll find it again and again, but yeah, you, you practice and Paul uh, Luther talks about prayer as being exercise of, in fact, he, if you read his apostle, he's talking about exercise of faith, mm-hmm. meaning that you, by putting uh, your faith into practice, whether by calling upon God or by carrying out the works of your vocation, um, you are, you know, it's like you're going to the gym, yeah, and you're you're uh, building up muscles by breaking them down by testing them. So I, I agree with you. But I think it's also important to like keep in your mind constantly that this is a battle that is won and therefore you get to go do this and you get to do it in the confidence that you that you will attain the crown. And that's the way Paul speaks uh, in that verse in Philippians, he uh, forgetting what lies, what is behind and straining towards, what lies ahead. He's doing it in the certainty that the victory is going to be his because it already, it, it, it has already been won by, by the author and perfecter of our faith. Mm-hmm. So that means, what does that mean in practice? It means that you can go, um, take risks and fail. What, yeah. especially in our situation where we are, um, you know, our churches are declining out here. It's, I, I don't think it's as bad in the Midwest as, as, as it is out here. Our many churches in the Northwest are dying. They're just, they're dwindling away. And mm. I, I imagine we're going to just, that's just going to be the situation for all of us in the next 10, 20 years. Uh, so you don't want to see that happen. You'd like to have uh, Christians in the church, you, you know, Folks in the pews are really upset about there's no young families. Well, you know, maybe we can go, we don't know. We aren't like awesome at planting churches and uh, evangelism. Maybe we don't need to be, maybe we can just go try and uh, be, be confident that uh, if you gonna if you've got to go die in battle, right? If you've got to, if you've got to go die in battle, how do you want to die? You want to die like, crying for your mother in the trench or do you want to go uh because we're not going to die that's the point we're going to we're going to we we have life promised to us so we have freedom to go be to go do what um david and his mighty men did where they go well i don't know if we're going to win this battle or not but we're going to go do it anyway and perhaps the lord will fight for us Uh, that's the that was to me the joy of this of studying this is that uh yeah it's bad news i I guess in a certain sense it's bad news that there's going to be hardship in this life for a christian the joy is that uh you get to go you get to go behind your your general your king and join in the battle and uh, be heroic because he's already won the battle rather than rather than live your life uh Clinging on for dear life to things that are slipping away from you anyway. Yeah. Which is, I think, a lot of times why Pat, I'll just ask you I mean, you see depressed pastors, right? Um, Burnt out pastors. Don't you think this is a factor in it that you, 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 so you feel like you're not doing what you're supposed to be? People feel like they're not really doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're occupying a, a position, but not actually doing what they're supposed to be doing.
0: Yeah. I think that's part of it. I also think it, that it's not what they expected. Mm. And, and so coming to grips with the loss of what they expected to what the reality is, um, th- there's a, I don't want to overplay it, but there's kind of a period of m- mourning. Like mm-hmm. you're like, this is not what I expected. And and so I think because of that, there are a lot of guys who just like leave. Yeah. Um, you know, we're seeing, we're seeing more and more pastors, but more and more men who begin as pastors are not ending as pastors, not ending their careers or their working years as pastors. Uh, they're getting out of the office and doing something else. So I think that some of that has to do with that mindset, that expectation. Um w- I don't think we're training people to think that it's going to be difficult. Mm. Um, and that it's actual work, like it's labor. (laughs) And it, even though you're often using your mind, it requires, you know, in some cases, blood and sweat. And, uh, so I think there's that kind of expectation like, oh, you know, look, you know, we're going to be, you know, the sower who sows the seed and oh, what of that, what of that. Um, but it doesn't recognize the difficulty of the task before us or mm-hmm. the the pressures put against. And I mean, I'm astounded when you read Acts. Uh, I was just talking with Dr. Kuntz about this recently. When, you know, you read Acts and... And every every time, you know, Paul gets to know a place like he's threatened with something, mm-hmm. and he gets booted out, and then he goes to the next city, <laughs> and he does the yeah. same thing. And yep. Then you have that litany in Second Corinthians of of you know what he endured, and so you put that side by side in Acts, and this is what Kuntz was pointing out. You put that side by side with what he endured in Acts. And you can't line it all up. There's there's extra stuff, like so. Mm-hmm. There's more that Luke didn't record, mm-hmm. and then like wonder of wonders, uh, after he he lists all that litany, he's like, you know, but for the sake of Christ, I delight in those weaknesses and in my sufferings and in the shipwrecks and all those things. I mean, we I don't think we're trained with that kind of mindset to delight in the training and in the difficulties that come our way in the same way that you know the navy seals are taught to embrace the suck or in the same way that athletes are 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 trained to embrace those difficult times because they recognize maybe not just the prize but just the glory of overcoming whatever is put in their way like right but, like doing something the, hard enduring something difficult is its own reward. Yeah. And we'll promise something on top of that, right? It, we know the, that we're going to win.
1: <laughs> right. The, the, so there's a promise of, of the, glo- that is where our eyes are supposed to be fixed is the glory to be revealed. Mm-hmm. And that when you come to the end of the finish line, Christ says, well done, good and faithful servant. Yeah. That uh, I think is missing but one of the one of the things that stuck with me i read it in a you know i'm pretty sure it was the church postal luther says something like a christian is like a palm tree w- of which it is said that no matter how much stuff you put on the top of the palm tree it's always going to stand upright i mean it's some you know he he read some he read some medieval book that that told him that i guess <laughs> yeah. and uh but he said you don't experience the power of Christ except by suffering and difficulty, Christ, yeah. the power of Christ in you. This is the thing that I think uh, we miss. You avoid the conflict. That's what Paul is saying in, in, in 2 Corinthians you know, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. I, I rejoice in these things that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So there is the ultimate hope and the and the place where our eyes are fixed. They're not on the things that God does to help us along the way, that Christ does to help us along the way. But there is joy also in this that when you are um, if you are called to do something and you go do it mm-hmm. in your in your vocation as a pastor or as a Christian called to stand in some way or even in smaller things that the power of Christ manifests itself in you, that you, he assists you. And I, and I can't, and I, one of the things that I, I did in preparation too, was look at hymns. I tried to find hymns that said, there's so many hymns, the old German hymns. They say this repeatedly. They talk about the Lord's assistance of, uh, Christians in difficulty and uh i don't you know i think when i came out of seminary i thought that sort of thing was not lutheran it was evangelical or something right uh no it, and it's all through the psalms too when when uh david says my arms can bend a bow of bronze it's the lord that makes my feet like the feet of a deer like uh ryan leslie's mm-hmm presentation. And yeah. you think about Gideon, right? Who's terrified of everything. So he, we, the Lord calls him to, to, to be, to be a judge. And he's got to, the first thing he's, first thing he's got to do is chop down this, the, uh, chop down the bale and the Asherim in his town. Yeah. So he's scared and does it at night. But he That's, doesn't. I, I mean, He does it, but he, but he does it at night late by, but the, when the, when the angel comes to him, he says, he says to what is, how does he say it? You know, greetings thou mighty warrior. I would have to look it up. Uh, Go in this strength that you have. And, and he's like, what are you talking about? Angel of the Lord. He's absolutely terrified. You know, he's, he's got no courage at all, but by the end of Gideon's story, he's a mighty man, um, but Gideon chopping down the bale at night sounds like the pastor who comes out of seminary, who is not naturally courageous, you know, and he's going to his he's going to his first he's he's going to tell the tell the uh, big the the big giver in the church for the first time that his his grandson can't come to communion because he's left the church. Yeah, you know he's. But the point is though that the the Lord is the Lord. You don't. The christians like a palm tree christ's christ's power is manifest in our weakness but you don't ever you're not going to ever you're not going to experience that or know that until you are put into the fire and if you find ways out of it um you're gonna you know miss that and there's jo- there's joy in that as well as in uh, having our eyes fixed on the on the reward which i think I'll say for myself I think that is a big problem too is that we maybe it's just partly because of not being old enough yet but uh, that that really is the I mean that's just the biblical that's the new testament's way of speaking constantly is that in everything you're doing your your eyes are towards are not towards what you know the lord is going to give you in this life but but toward the revealing of Christ and the glory that will be revealed. his mm-hmm. coming.
0: Yeah. We exchange the glory of God for glorying in the opinions of men. Uh, uh, isn't that a, a passage in Romans? Um, yeah. So, so it seems like, you know, you know, nature abhors a vacuum. If you've got a full glass of water and you, you pour out half of it, the, the half that you poured out is filled with air. Um, so if you're not training for the difficulty, it seems as though since nature and spiritual nature is the same thing, it seems as though you will be necessarily training to avoid the difficulty. And so this is something that we need to keep in mind, right? That, that if you're not training to endure, you're, you you are then training to give in.
1: Yeah, um, Absolutely. It's it's truth. It's the truth. If you if you're practic, whatever you're practicing, whatever you're practicing daily, that's what you're you're you are training yourself. You're training mm-hmm. yourself to to uh, avoid conflict or zone out with uh, electronics or whatever. Yeah. Which which is I think you know the going back to COVID. Uh, I just. I was pleased at the convention, somebody, I, I wanted to, I wanted to get up to the microphone and talk about COVID. And so did a few other people, the entire convention. And right at the end, we finally talked about it on the very last day. And uh, a young man did a better job than I would have done. So I was glad. <laughs> and he, he did a, he did a, he, he just gave, he, he proposed a resol uh, uh, an amendment to a resolution calling for repentance, Closing during COVID, and I was surprised that 33 percent of the convention voted for it. It was, I was far more than I expected. But mm-hmm. I really, uh, if I if I had anybody's ear, I would plead that you know we understand. I understand. Um, I think we all we didn't close during covid but i i look back and there were things where i i i mean i was i was not i was i was off guard i didn't know i didn't want to say what anyone else should do i just said we weren't going to close we my elders backed me on this and so and we acted quickly so we didn't have a ton of problems about that but i, I would just if I had anybody's ear, I would plead to say, we, you know the difficulties were obvious, but we ought to repent mm-hmm. because these sorts of things, whether it's a pandemic or not, are going to happen again, and it and we do, we don't want to set the precedent that during um during that we don't want to set the precedent that we find an excuse to fail to confess our Lord. we've been." Any any confessional pastor, any any liturgical pastor in the Missouri Synod has beaten the drum that during that the that the Holy Spirit is given through the means of grace, and therefore um, to be a Christian and never attend the sacrament, never receive the sacrament is uh, is a non ends. It just doesn't it just can't be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then during COVID, we what did we do? We undid all of that all of that drum beating. By our actions
0: mm-hmm.
1: so I, I my prayer for a synod is that we that's what i wanted to say at the convention floor you know we always talk about we're the first uh, synod that or we're the first church that that was going towards theological liberalism and repented i pray i wish that the missouri synod would be the first church that closed during covid and repented publicly i think that would be a that would be I think that would please our Lord.
0: Yeah. And I, it would be a training towards the proper ends, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah.
1: It it would be, it would be a, because right now uh, a lot of folks think that uh, we, nobody should be patting themselves on the back and saying, Hey, the next, you know, when the, it's a very likely possibility in many States that you will endure some kind of, that the that the government, the state government, will say you have to. I don't know what it'll be exactly. You have to have your you have to have uh, your bathrooms open to transgender people or whatever. Right? What, do you think we won't be able to? We, nobody should be patting themselves on the back and saying, "Well, when that happens, we won't we will stand firm." You don't think there'll be ways around that too? Yeah. That, that there will be ways to say, "Well, we'll just say that," but we won't let anybody do it. But that's that's not confessing Christ, you know. Yeah. So, I, I, yeah, I, I don't want to beat that Belabor drum too the hard. Point. But I do. I, all right, yeah, I think that I think that w- this was a wake up call for us, and I hope that we heed it. Yeah, and it sounded like thirty three percent of the synod was willing to was was open to that message, so that was
0: mm-hmm.
1: that was a positive thing.
0: I thank God for that. I wonder too, and I like your thoughts on this. to what extent is our failure to train for difficult uh, or difficulties in the future, whether it's facing from the government or from some other outside forces, to what extent is that related to our failure to face and um uh, and slay the flesh itself against our own sinfulness right do you think that that we need to do a better job of training people how to not only pray that God would mortify the sin in us the uh, in particular you know our besetting sins we all know that there are certain things that each of us struggle with more than perhaps some other people um, mm-hmm Uh, highlighting those things in our life and really praying that God would mortify those things would put them to death in us. The way St. Paul talks about in, you know, Romans, I think it's chapter three to mortify the flesh. Um, To what extent do we need to also do that so that that is part of our daily training that we would say no to our sinful selves and, 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 drown the old Adam and and put him to death so that a new man can emerge and arise to live before God in righteousness and purity forever.
1: Yeah, I again I didn't get into the details of it, but I do think what, what the next the next the section of my so I I sort of talked about the mindset change that needs to happen and then and then talked about how this can actually be accomplished cuz people that are struggling with fear, which is really just a manifestation of the flesh, right?
0: Mm -hmm. Those
1: who, but those who continually fall in the weakness of their flesh, a lot of times they hear this and they go, Oh good. So something else to be condemned for, but um, (laughs) like I've, I've already failed repeatedly and I beat myself up over it. Or I, I feel condemned because of it. The, 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 the scripture also teaches us that we have, we have already lost everything, and we have already died, and now we are as, now we have been raised to new life as his children and heirs. And those, the passages that deal with that are, are especially um, in Romans, but but the texts having to do with baptism are key in that. And because that is the case, because we have died. We are able to, you know, this is not anything new. This is, you know, crack open peeper or whatever. But because we have died and been given a new life, we are able to win the victory over our flesh, at least mm-hmm. not perfectly, but uh, increasingly. Mm-hmm. And so, in terms of the practicalities of how you teach this to people, I don't. I think we need to like learn and start doing it. And some of that would probably be teaching about fasting. Uh, Some of it would be teaching about, yeah, you know, we don't do a lot of how do you do things? Yeah. Uh, You know what I mean? I've heard you talk about fasting before. I think some of this would, those who have experience as a confessor, a father confessor, know that you not only absolve people, but you give them counsel about how not to, how to, you give them counsel about how, how not to fall or how to, um, you know, you tell them, okay, so it's not just a matter of uh, you you need to not use the internet at this time of night or something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. You give them practical advice to avoid temptation. Mm -hmm. But I, I think what I was mainly covering is that we have so you're you're afraid of dying basically you're you're afraid of suffering. well, you've already been died and been buried you've been crucified with Christ and buried with him and raised from the dead. So yeah, this would not begin just with um, resisting the the um, threats of the world, <laughs> but daily, um, st- daily returning to your baptism and and overcoming the flesh and its desires. I don't know. I, I would just. I would just. Yeah. I would just say we. I think we. We probably. What do you think about that? I don't think that we. I remember distinctly asking a professor uh if my, when i was brand new in seminary and didn't know anything didn't know what questions i wasn't supposed to ask
0: mm-hmm. i
1: said uh what does it mean when paul says walk in the spirit and you will not obey the lust of the flesh and the professor said i don't know you know like that <laughs> would take too long to explain that or something and it's like well that's kind of important right i mean that's paul says do this and you will not in in it, that you will not fulfill the lusts, of the desires of the flesh. Mm-hmm. Do we know how to teach people what that means? Yeah. I mean, I think probably in some ways we do, but I noticed that in our hymns, there are practical. It's like there are sides almost, but they're like practical advice on how one resists temptation. Mm-hmm. The one that jumps out in my mind is the hymn, Jesus grant that balm and healing you know that hymn, the Lent hymn. Mm-hmm. And it says, should some lust or sharp temptation fascinate my sinful mind, draw me to thy cross and passion and new courage I will find, or should Satan press me hard, let me then be on my guard, saying Christ for me was wounded, that the tempter fully confounded. And the first part of that is simply saying, meditate on Christ's passion. But the second yeah. part is it's a tangible suggestion. When you're really pressed hard by Satan, or when this guy is really pressed hard by Satan, he says Christ was wounded for me, and the devil flees. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of a lot of. I, I, I think teaching along those lines is probably important for folks. We yeah. know that we have how many guys, uh, how many people in our congregations are are struggle have porn addiction, uh, but. You know, people people are beset by all sorts of sins that we don't even address. Right. Um, so well, teaching them how to avoid t- how to how to how to how to, av- how, to con- how to mortify the flesh is something practically that they need.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you brought a- up a really good point in-, in terms of how we've already died. We've already given up everything. Isn't it the case that when you're reminded of what uh, what you've overcome in the past? Like, I've been here before. It's going to be a difficult road, but I know it can get through. In a sense, St. Paul is reminding you look, you've been there before. You've already died. So there's nothing to fear. You've been there and you've come through on the other side because of Jesus. So don't be afraid to go there again.
1: Yeah, people are, when you have, when you're not, when you are despairing and you don't know if you're going to. Be able to, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't have hope that you're going to come through it. Mm-hmm. Um, that feeds temptation, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And you say, well, I, you know, I've struggled with this for 20 years. I, you know, it's never going to get better. And then you, then you, then the the devil uses your despair, and so you might as well just do it again. What difference does it make? Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, Paul's telling us that the the victory has been has been given to us and that's kind of the in that and that we have already died. So the thing that we fear losing, we actually don't it's we don't need to fear it. We've already lost yeah. everything and been given something new.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, any final thoughts here? Well, Kind of to this wrap. This is the
1: up. same thing that happened when I presented this, which is I spent all the time on the first part and didn't get to the last part. But there's uh, the the not only is it a matter of training your training yourself or re uh, you know putting on the mind of Christ and knowing that that suffering is inevitable and it's um and it's also part of the prize, but mm-hmm. there that that. The, the, The scriptures teach us that, um, the teacher, the scriptures teach us that there is victory over fear, joy and suffering and the promise of conquering and those things. So we, we simply don't have to, um, it's not simply a matter of, you know, according to the law changing your thinking, but there's the, there's, um, there's the promise that these things were already given to you in your, in your baptism And maybe some other time I I would draw that out. But the last point, though, that I made, and I think is really important we are the pastors are shepherds, that means, and overseers. This is, it's on us to model this. And Mm. so, um, and you do that primarily in your pastoral work. People are going to know, I think, if you avoid things, that are hard, And they're going to know if you are a, a man that by God's grace speaks the truth, even when it comes at a cost, they may not always, they may, think they may not like it always, right? but they may think, oh gosh, he's always stirring stuff up. But that, you know, that, but that will also, you, ha- we have to become got by God's grace, but with his help, we have to become men like that. If the congregation is going to, is going to, there'll be outliers, you know, there'll be people that are able to do this without you or whatever, by God's grace. But if the congregation is going to learn to stand under persecution, uh, they have to see it by and large, they have to see it in the shepherds. And so, uh, and this, the thing is too, when we, as a pastor, you're called to rescue the flock, if you have members that are, when you have members that are in danger spiritually and don't think they are, you, your battle is to follow behind the good shepherd and rescue them or mm-hmm. seek to rescue them even when they don't like it. Yeah. And uh, I, so my last thing, I remember I read this at the beginning of it. There is a, uh, this is, we need to get it. No, I don't want to say that. It would be nice if some of the hymns that Walther put in his hymnal were in our hymnal. Uh, Because there's one that I've never sung, and it's like 20 stanzas long by Paul Gerhardt. But it has this line in it. It says, The way to good is almost wild, and high with thorns and hedges piled, and he who bears the sadness, Lord, by thy spirit comes at last to realms of bliss and gladness. And we talked about it in the sectional. Why is the way to good, almost wild and piled with thorns and hedges. And you said, cause nobody goes that way. It's like yeah. the, the castle where sleeping beauty is or whatever. Nobody goes there. Mm-hmm. And often, and, the, and so, um, the frequently we think, Oh, nobody else is going that way. That means it would be foolish for me to go that way. Oftentimes it's not, it's, Sometimes this is the way that the Holy Spirit leads us to walk. And he who bears the sadness comes at last to realms of bliss and gladness. I, we should stick that in, We should get that hymn. Whenever we uh, you know, have a new hymnal, we should put that one in with 20 stanzas and sing it, like be mandated to sing it a couple of times a year. Because <laughs> uh, I think that is, that, that, that's from Paul Gerhardt, one of our fathers mm-hmm. in the faith. Who lived it? Because he got removed from how many different pastorates for 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 speaking the truth. Mm -hmm. This is the way that we are called to. That we are being led to walk in our in our generation, and rather than see it as, why did God do this to me? He did it to you because He loves you and and He wants you to receive the crown of glory. So yeah,
0: you're promoted. Move up higher. (laughs) Yeah, exactly (laughs) Yeah, Well good, good, thank you Carl for your time your insight for preparing this for us and uh, well I I wish you well as you uh, train not only yourself but your people uh, to enter into the fray to contend and to fight not only the battle right before them but to win the victory at the end so thank you My pleasure, thank you